Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science teacher with biology specialism. And on Teach Me Biology, I'm teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews. Biology A-level, topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes. <laughs> Did you read it beforehand? No. Oh! Well, I read the first bit. I've already forgotten mine. <laughs> Hang on. Yes, we hope that you incorporate... Yes. Those. Yeah. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out. Listen to the episodes on your weaker topics. Use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Oh, I obviously Yay. wasn't ready for it this week. No, but I did it without looking. Yeah. I'm quite proud. Right, episode 20. 20. High five. Yes. Yes. DNA replication. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So we're going to describe the purpose and process of what we call semi-conservative replication. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically semi-conservative is what we would say was the accepted model of how DNA is replicated. So is there like an unacceptable model? Well, yeah. There's there's theory, there's lots of theories. Oh, okay. Because you're never really sure. Yeah. But you have all the experimental evidence that proves more one way than another. So that becomes the accepted model, and that's what the scientists okay. write their papers on, and then they they all agree, and then it goes in the textbooks. I mean, every, everything's a theory. Even even like cells. What we've learnt about cells is a, is technically a theory. Hmm. All the evidence proves is sort of proving it that way. Why do you think DNA needs to be replicated? Because it's in all our cells. Yeah. And all our cells die. Yeah. Eventually, and yeah. they have to. We need more DNA because they have to be in our new cells. Exactly. Perfect. Absolutely spot on. So every time a cell goes through cell division, it has to copy its cells. And we are going to do an episode on mitosis. Copy and paste. Yeah, mitosis, which is cell division, making an identical cell. And part of the cell cycle is synthesis phase, which is where the DNA is replicated. Uh So it's like a stage of it. So we will do that next. I think that's next week, actually. When we talk about semi-conservative, can you glean anything from that as to how the DNA might replicate? I don't really know. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Do you remember from last week, DNA is double-stranded? Yes. So it's two strands mm-hmm. with that are held together by hydrogen bonds. And you've got the, the, the complementary base, base pairs. Yep. And then the backbone, yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically what will happen is, and we'll talk through it step by step in a minute with a diagram, but each strand, it, the strand separates, and each strand acts as a template for a new strand to form against it. So the two new strands are half old, half new. That's why it's semi-conservative, okay. and that's the accepted theory so the other theory would be conservative replication, which would basically mean the old strand stays together, having been copied, and the new double strand is completely new, both strands all new. Yeah, so here's a diagram. Again, the, the picture that Sarah is looking at is available at teachmescience.co.uk. Uh, very just simple little pictures that go along with our podcast. Nothing's really labelled on it so that uh, you can label it yourself with notes and as you listen to us, you can sort of write things down. So there's four stages that I'm going to describe to you and hopefully the picture goes along with it. Firstly, the DNA molecule has to be separated and unwound. Do you remember what holds them together? We just said it. The hydrogen bonds. Hydrogen bonds. So hydrogen bonds have to be broken. You can see that there's a little molecule there, DNA helicase, that is moving along the strand, breaking the hydrogen bonds and separating them 
and unwinding it. So imagine it like a zip, mm-hmm. moving down and breaking the bonds and separating the two strands out. We end up with two single strands that are separated. So that moves us on to the next stage, so number two. Each strand now is going to act as a template and a new strand is going to form against it. Three DNA nucleotides that have already been made and they're in the nucleus are going to start to be attracted to their complementary base on the original strand. So what was in a nucleotide from last week, do you remember? Phosphate. Phosphate. Oh my god, I can't remember. Uh I can't remember. So you've got you got the phosphate, you've got the sugar. Sugar. Which in DNA is called the, the pentose sugar. Yeah. D no, don't remember. Deoxyribose. And then the base. The base, that was it. For God's sake, how can I forget <laughs> the base? Yeah. Basically these monomers, these nucleotides, are just moving and attracted toward their opposite mm-hmm. and complementary base so they're just going to start lining up these monomers are just going to start lining up up against this original strand and it's happening twice because we've got two original strands mm-hmm. so what are the complementary base pairs a t g and c that's it well done so then we move on to three so the dna helicase is still moving along and unwinding and breaking but as the nucleotides are starting to line up a second enzyme dna polymerase Okay, it's going to start joining those nucleotides together with condensation reaction. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what type of bond holds them together? Quite a difficult one. Uh... I'll say it and you'll be like, I would never have got that. Oh, okay. Phosphodiester. Oh, no, I never would have yeah. got that. So it's a phosphodiester bond between the sugar of one nucleotide and the phosphate of the next. It becomes the sugar phosphate backbone. So imagine the DNA polymerase is like they're zipping it back up again. And then the hydrogen bonds will form between the bases. DNA polymerase does not form the hydrogen bonds. So that's something that would actually be negated, like uh, rejected in an exam. If you said DNA polymerase forms the hydrogen bonds, that's not right. So the DNA polymerase just puts the nucleotides together as the strand, the second strand. Basically, with number four... We've got two strands now of DNA molecules, two new DNA molecules. One strand is old and one strand is new in each. So we call that, again, semi-conservative because we've conserved half of the original strand in each new. I just want to say, because we're going to look at the experimental evidence as well, okay? So I just want to say one more thing before we move on to that. Okay. DNA strands, are they're different at each end. Where you've got two strands joined together... The two ends, so one strand, the end of it would be called three prime. The other strand, right next to it, that end we call five prime. DNA polymerase is an enzyme, so it's got an active site. So it has to be complementary to its substrate to work. And it's only complementary to the three prime end of the the template strand. Does that make sense? No. DNA polymerase will only bind to three prime end of DNA because that's the only end of the DNA that is complementary to each other, to it. Okay. Okay? It will move along the strand from three prime to five prime, but it can only bind to the template strand because that's the only strand that's formed. The new strand, when the DNA polymerase comes along, is just a bunch of nucleotides lined up. It's not actually a strand. The new strand is going to be five prime at that end because it's like opposites. So the new strand is formed from five prime to three prime. It's quite complicated, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. But if you like think about it, looking at the diagram, this is the template strand and it's three prime and this is the new strand and that's going to be five prime. So they run opposite to each other. The DNA polymerase can only bind to the template strand because that's the only formed strand, so it's three prime. Mm -hmm. So it moves along the template strand, three prime to five prime, the other end will be five prime. So the new strand is formed 
from five prime onwards, like five prime. Okay. Prime. So I'm going to show you a second picture, and I'm actually going to use a picture directly from a textbook. It's too complicated to draw, and it's probably the best picture I've seen anyway. I'll scan the picture, okay. and we can put it on the website. So we're going to scan the diagram out of um, the Oxford textbook, Tool and Tool, AQA Biology, A-Level Year 1 and AS textbook. So if you use that textbook already, then you've got the diagram. If not, just go onto our website and you'll find it on there. This is the evidence carried out by a scientist called Nesselson and Stahl. The original DNA structure, the double helix, originally was discovered and thought out by Watson and Crick. Have you heard of those people? No. No? So it's two men, Watson and Crick, at Cambridge University. And they worked off the back of some work done by a lady called Rosalind Franklin. And so they were both both sets of people working on what they thought the DNA structure was. So Rosalind Franklin did some work with x-rays. She shot lots of x-rays at DNA and it causes diffraction. And from the diffraction rays, you can, if you work hard enough and you understand how to interpret it, you can come up with like the structure of what you've aimed the x-rays at. So mm-hmm. she did loads of work on that. So based on the work that she did... And the discoveries she made, Watson and Crick were actually then the first people to come up with like the model of the DNA. And based on their model, they figured that there must be some kind of copying mechanism, which we now know as DNA replication. They had the two models, conservative, semi-conservative. Off the back of that, Messelson and Stahl did this work with bacteria to prove which theory was correct. So... They use bacteria because bacteria replicates very quickly. So within about four hours, one cell could become thousands and thousands of cells. The generation time is very short, so it takes about 20 minutes for bacteria to replicate their cells. So you can you can see quite a lot in a short period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Plus, plus bacteria is quite cheap. So they used E. coli and they grew E. coli in a very special medium for a number of generations that contained an isotope of nitrogen called nitrogen 15 now nitrogen normal nitrogen is called nitrogen 14 so that's what the normal nitrogen would be and it's lighter than the isotope it is nitrogen but it's it's an isotope so it's not as stable it's got extra neutrons in its nucleus basically okay and it's unstable but it's heavier it still acts like nitrogen though still essentially is nitrogen. So they grew the bacteria in a medium that only contained nitrogen 15, this heavy nitrogen, because they wanted the DNA in the bacteria to be incorporating this nitrogen. Do you remember which part of the DNA contains nitrogen? The base. The base, yeah. So as the bacteria make new nucleotides for its DNA, it's going to use the heavy nitrogen to form. So they grew the bacteria in that medium for, say, three or four generations so that they knew all of the DNA in those cells would contain only nitrogen-15. They then took some of that sample and they grew it in the lighter version, nitrogen-14. They know all the DNA in those cells before they put it in the nitrogen-14 is going to have bases with nitrogen-15. All the template or original strands are going to be nitrogen-15. So they're going to see, after a generation, what their DNA looks like after it's only got 14 to make Mm -hmm. new strands with. 
the work that they do in order to get hold of the DNA is fairly straightforward. They extract the DNA, they centrifuge it. Remember the spinning from the Mm -hmm. ultra-centrifugation lesson? And then they see what happens. So any DNA that is made of just nitrogen-15 will Will be be heavier heavier, and lower. So fall lower, well done. Any of the lighter, just nitrogen-14 will be higher up. And then anything that's made of both will fall in the middle. So they're obviously hoping to see these new cells should have their original 15 strands. And then a new 14 strand. And then a new 14 strand. So they're expecting to see a mixture of the DNAs. And that's what they found. So that's what that diagram shows sort of over time. And because they've only got the 14 to work with, over time, the 15 will diminish and the 14 will become more prominent. Mm -hmm. There'll be more of that. Because obviously, even the mixed strands will separate and only have 14. So from a mixed strand, the two new strands will be one mixed, one 14 fully. So yeah, that was the experimental work that was done. And the only way that you would get a mixture of the DNA is if it was semi-conservative. Because if Mm. it was conservative, you would only ever have fully 15 and fully 14. You'd never get a mixture strand. Should we do some questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got four questions. We'll start with a two marker. Ready? Yeah. Name two enzymes involved in semi-conservative replication of DNA two marks. DNA polymerase. 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 Say it again. <laughs> polymerase. And? Helicase. Yeah. And DNA hel- helicase. Okay. Helicase. Yeah. Yeah. So that's two marks. Number two, describe the role of two named enzymes in the process of semi-conservative replication of DNA. So basically, what are the jobs of the two enzymes you've just named? Okay. Three marks. The helicase unders, does it? Yeah, so what does it do? It separates the hydrogen bonds between the DNA. Yeah, so it breaks those hydrogen bonds, yeah. separates the strands. And the polymerase, polymerase? Yeah. That does up the zip and puts the doesn't put the bonds together. It joins, forms it joins, joins the, the like the backbone. Yeah, so it joins the nucleotides together yeah. that have lined up. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you remember what bond for the third mark? No. No. Phosphodiester bonds. Phosphodiester bonds. Yeah. Okay. So that would be three marks there. So helicase breaks the hydrogen bonds. Mm-hmm. DNA polymerase joins the DNA nucleotides together that have formed. Mm-hmm. Up against the original strand, and then it does that by forming phosphodiester bonds between the nucleotides. Right, the third question involves a diagram, and it is the, the experimental evidence stuff, and it's basically two little questions within this. Okay. okay? It's taken from an exam question, it's some text, and then it's a diagram showing the work that was done by Mens- Messelson and Stahl. The bases in DNA nucleotides contain nitrogen. Researchers grew bacteria on a medium containing nitrogen-15 for several generations. They then transferred the bacteria to a medium containing nitrogen-14. They analysed the DNA from the bacteria at three stages. Number one, whilst the bacteria were growing on the nitrogen-15 medium. Number two, after one division of the bacteria on the nitrogen-14 medium, after two divisions of the bacteria on the nitrogen-14 medium. The diagram shows their results. So, the first question is, for two marks, describe how the proportion of DNA that contained nitrogen-15 changed at each division when bacteria was grown on its 14 medium. You mean um, two and three? Yeah. So, how much nitrogen-15? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
A Little Bit de Todo is a podcast about a little bit of everything for curious minds of all ages. I'm Christina, and you can tune in every weekday to learn about things like Cinco de Mayo, Chihuahuas, and volcanoes in Latin America. Episodes are bite-sized, 10 minutes long or less, and always Latin American related. Subscribe and follow A Little Bit de Todo podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, uh, the second one, it was a mixture of 14 and 15 strands. Mm-hmm. And then at the third one... It was a mixture of both strands and then just 14 strands. Just 14. So it's asking how much has it changed by all the... How much has the proportion of DNA that contained it changed? How many strands of 15 did we start with originally? Well, they were both 15. So they're both 15? Yeah. Okay. And then in the new strand, how many were 15? Just one of them. So it's gone down by... Half. Half. We've got... Two strands across and two molecules. And then by the third one, it's like only a quarter of them are 15. From the original? Yeah. Yeah. So it's halved again, mm-hmm. from half to half again. Yeah. So it's gone down by half. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Every generation. And that's the answer that it's looking for. And then it wants to two marks again, using the same information. The change in the proportion of DNA containing 15 is due to the way in which the DNA replicates. Explain how. So that's so two when, marks. Um, it always keeps it old and then, and it always produces a new. Yeah. But to produce the new, it only has it can only take from the nitrogen fourteen, which is yep. the only thing there. Yeah. So when it makes new DNA, replicates it, it has to use the fourteen instead. So when it eventually the fifteen will become less and less. Yeah. As it makes it only with the fourteen. Yeah, that's fine. Because you've talked about how the, the new strands can only be made from fourteen, and the old strand acts as a template. I'll go through the mark scheme quickly. So there was four marking points for two marks. Mm-hmm. In DNA replication, the strands rest separate. Each acts as a template. That's the second marking point. Third marking point, one strand in each new molecule. There's one strand in each new molecule, so it's semi-conservative. So in the two new ones, you've got one strand from the old. And then last marking point, new strands made using only nitrogen-14. You'd have got the marks there, definitely. Yeah. Right, question four is a six marker. Oh, okay. Okay. And it is just very straightforward. Describe how DNA is replicated. Okay. You just talk. Let's see how many marks you can pick. Okay. The I'm going to use this picture because it's here. That's okay. <laughs> you carry on. Um, the DNA helicase goes down and it breaks all the hydrogen bonds. Two marks so far. And breaks the strands in two. Yeah. And then the the DMA polymerase comes along and attaches the nucleotide bonds together. Yeah. yeah. So. You've missed a little section. So the things that are already there, the T and the A and everything, come together. Right. And then they get knitted together by the polymerase. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. You missed out a, a bit where you talked about just the nucleotides coming in because they're attracted to their yeah, complementary base. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. trying to say when I said they came together. <laughs> yeah. So I think you probably would have got out of that probably about four marks. Okay, just not what bad. you said, not without, bad. without any encouragement mm-hmm. at all. One mark for saying the strands separate, the hydrogen bonds are broken. One mark for saying that that is done by DNA helicase. And then some of your missed marks. So both strands act as a template. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three nucleotides attach to their complementary base. That's another mark. And then DNA joins the nucleotides. So you would have got a mark for that. And then hydrogen bonds reform. And then it's called semi-conservative replication. Each new strand has one new and one old strand. How are you feeling about this then? It's a bit difficult. It is hard. Yeah. Especially the experimental stuff. That's Mm. difficult. But it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of new things to learn. Mm -hmm. But the thing with this is process that you just learn. Do you Mm. know what I mean? Like that process, you can just learn by heart. 
And if you get a lovely, beautiful six marker like that, you can just go, right, I know all this. Right, everything yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. Get all my six marks. So our wider reading for December, we mm -hmm. started it last week. So we've got a book called What Is Life by Sir Paul Nurse. By um, Hadaway? No. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to put not, the song in again. Not What Is Love. <laughs> <laughs> But like I said last week, it's a short book. You, it wouldn't take you very long to read, mm. but it's just got so much amazing biology in it and at a level that is easily understood. And, and I think what's good about it is Paul Nurse himself, he was awarded the 2001 Nobel Prize, him and his colleagues, because he actually discovered, or they actually discovered, the protein molecules that were involved in the control of cell division, which we're going to talk about next week. Mm -hmm. So he spent a long time working with different fungis and yeasts and growing them and finding things out. And he talks a lot about this in his book and the sort of work that he did. But what I really liked about it was that his love of science came from just learning science at school. He wasn't really influenced by like his parents or outside or anything like that. Like his first memory of what he loved about science was doing the onion skin cells and looking at cells in the microscope at school, you know, and his teacher talking about it mm. and just seeing the lines and lines and rows and rows of cells. That's amazing, really, because that's where a lot of people's love of science comes from. If you've got a good science teacher, that yeah. that love of science will grow into something amazing and do amazing discoveries and further in science in the future. I just thought that was really good. And then the other part of our wider reading is Science Magazine podcast. So again, it's the, the Science Magazine, it's called Science Magazine, American Magazine, and it has a alongside it a podcast which talks about the stories in the magazine that week. And again, it's, it's easily understood and not too complicated, really. And the stories are, even though it's American, still relevant to anybody doing A-level biology, mm -hmm. uh, if it's a biology-based story. Right, my roundup. We DNA replication takes place during the synthesis stage of the cell cycle prior to cell division to ensure that there is a copy of all the DNA for the new cell. The enzyme DNA helicase breaks the hydrogen bonds holding the strands together to separate and unwind the two strands. Each strand acts as a template for a new strand to form. Free DNA nucleotides in the nucleus are attracted to their complementary base on the template strand A to T and C to G. DNA polymerase joins the nucleotides together from the 5' end with phosphodiester bonds, and then hydrogen bonds form between the bases on the strands. Each new DNA molecule is made of the original template strand and a newly formed strand. This is called semi-conservative replication. This was originally coined by Watson and Crick. Experimental evidence produced by Mendelssohn and Stahl proved this. They first grew E. coli bacterium in a medium containing nitrogen-15 for several generations. The bacteria incorporated the heavier nitrogen-15 isotope into their DNA in the bases. They then transferred the E. coli with nitrogen-15 to a medium containing lighter nitrogen-14 for several generations. Every 20 minutes the E. coli multiplied. They would then centrifuge the cells to separate the DNA of different densities, the heavier nitrogen-15 falling lower and the nitrogen-14 DNA falling higher. DNA containing strands of each would fall in the middle. They concluded that after each cell division, half of the DNA would be conserved for every next generation. Okay. Any takeaways? Takeaways. Yes. So I'm going to say that the DNA helicase unzips and uh, the DNA polymerase uh, puts it back together. Polymerase. <laughs> that there is always going to be a template to work from. There's always like one and then the other side. Is it always a template as well? They're both yep. and then they both come in. Yep. The other ones come in, the new 
circular tides come in and then that's how it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel good about that. Brilliant. If you felt the need to contact us, you can go onto our website, that is teachmescience.co.uk. You can send us a tweet, and that will be at teachmebiocast. We also have an email, and that is teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. And an Instagram, and that is at teachmebiologycast. So, yeah, do get in touch. We'd love to hear from anyone who's listening. Any reason, if you've got any great revision to show us. If you just want to get in touch and just talk about the podcast, what you're doing like yeah. in terms of your A-levels, how you're feeling, what you're finding more difficult, mm. what's easy. Anything, just ask any questions. What you do to, to revise. Yeah, any any tips, anything we could share as uh, on our social mm-hmm. media. So, again, like pictures of great I, I have a tip. I think you posted it on our social media one time, but I saw this on the board at work. If you eat an apple, that would help you stay awake longer than a coffee would. Yeah. How good is that? I always remember that now. And also your hand thing. Yeah, if you... Squeeze, what is it? you squeeze your hand into a fist to help you remember facts. Help you, and it actually works. Cause it really I've done works, that yeah. and it worked. Yeah, that's two of our revision tips that we've put on our Instagram Social and media. on our Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you ever wanted to go back and look at what we've recommended for a wider reading or revision tips, the best place to look is our Instagram feed because that has everything quite easily. If you go on Twitter, it gets confused with lots of retweets and things like that. But... Was that the bell? Yep, that was the bell. Oh, yep. okay, great. Well, not great, I've got further maths. Oh my god. <laughs> I couldn't even do actual normal maths. I don't even do close maths. <laughs> Just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Sarah Matthews. And I'm Rhea Corbett. And this has been Teach Me Biology, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye 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 bye. bye, 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 bye. bye, bye.